So I wanted to talk to you about an idea I had for a play, mm-hmm. a yeah. one act play. And because I'm taking a, actually by the time this airs, I'll probably be in the middle of an acting class where I learned how to act on like a stage and on a, on a theater stage. And I always wanted to write our own one act play. And I thought, you know, I can probably hold one act play for about eight to 10 minutes on my own. Now that's having no experience or running off pure confidence, but there's a part of me that's like, you know what? I can do it. And I would love to write uh spacers colon the ballad of Tommy Sampson for our listeners. Tommy Sampson makes an appearance in spacers, the Erebus effect as an experienced medic NCO on Titan. And I love the idea of a veteran of the Titan Wars who is in the VA or whatever version of it is there. You know, it could just be like, uh, like three blue plastic chairs all lined up and I sit down and I just start talking. So about what time frame would Tommy Sampson be on Titan? Do you think, especially in the, in the Airbus, uh, in that Airbus effect flashback that we wrote? Well, the Airbus effect flashback that I wrote, um, the sequence that has Tommy in it is set in 2339, which is about the middle of the first Titan war. Okay. That'd be equivalent to if I, if, if the, if the Iraq war that you were in, for example, lasted from 2003 to 2000, like from March of 2003 to December of 2011, the first Titan war lasted from about 2335 to 2343. So 2339 is so about right in the middle. It's about, it's about right. It's right about the time. It's equivalently right about the time that the surge happened in the Iraq war. Right. So, and which is also fitting because in 2339 in the Spacer Saga lore, the Alliance of Free Worlds is founded and basically jointly starts fighting the Duconists with the, um, with, with the idea, with the ICA. Um, they or it's, it's complicated. I know we're, we're sort of getting into the weeds here. It's complicated because they basically, they took over the, the duties of, um, getting rid of the Deconus, but they also funneled money to the Deconus, so it was convenient for them because because it offered them a way to keep the to keep the ICA out of their territory. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, it's, it's very uh, much like it's very much like Syria and Iraq and all the ISIS wars. It's very familiar. Um so how many deployments do you think Tommy Sampson did? No oh, shit. At least three he, or four. He strikes me as a three and done sort of guy. Yeah. That's probably like, about Gets out yeah, of remember we, we we had we had in that draft we said like he's he was on his third and he was gonna he was, he was gonna be done. Yeah. And and this could be like five years after he's done. Mm-hmm. And so it was like twenty three forty five. That's five years after. Now is the Titan War still going on? Uh there's a break in the Titan War because there's the first Titan War and then there's the second Titan War, which takes place during the second Draconis crisis. Okay, it's all very dense. But it, you know, I love dense and I love lore now. But with a stage play, it's very much mm-hmm. you're laser focused on the That's character. Yeah, it it it's 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 focusing in on the human condition, the character to to rip people's hearts out. So I got an idea for you. What you got? Um, about so. Yeah, I'd say that. Uh, let, me, let me try to explain it in a way that will, that will make sense 
you know, and, and like that's uh, approachable, basically. Um, the first Titan War ends in 2343. Okay. So let's say that Tommy Sampson gets home in 2340 or 2341 from his third deployment, mm-hmm. um, which is about the time he probably would based on when he is on his third deployment in the Airbus effect flashback. Um, well, that, that being said, let's say that in 2347, when the second Titan War begins, he is going to the VA and is now like, he's like watching the news about how this war is now starting up again. And it's like, well, didn't I fucking, didn't we deal with this problem already? And that's, that might be what like sets him off. Like, that's, that's like, like you get, like, it's, it's like those stories, like you, you hear about in, um, there's, there's a phrase that was the way my, uh, one of my creative writing professors at IEPY described it, who put the, who, who's really good at describing these sorts of things. It was like, it's a story about this, but it's really about this. You yeah. Know, that's kind of what it is. Where it's like Tommy Sampson's talking about his problems and like his history, but he's also talking about these things because he's venting about the fact that the Titan war is still not over. That it's basically yeah. starting up again and the same people are suffering and the same spaces are going back. And it's kind of like, Again, the like the ending of Jar, the movie Jarhead, you know, where um, Jake Gyllenhaal's characters are, you know, where, where Anthony Swaff, the character of Anthony Swafford is saying, you know, we're still in the desert. And it's like twelve years later, and yeah. you, you see, you see that there's, there's a there's a clip, there's a little clip. I always, this has always stuck with me. There's a clip where it shows Jamie Fox, who is already like a like a, a veteran NCO in the first movie, uh, in, the, in like in, in in the first Gulf War. Who's like going back into Iraq in the second, like in the, in the, in the you know Operation Iraqi Freedom? You know, it's like these these people are you know the, the same spaces are going to be fighting this war basically. And Tommy's like, well, you know, I'm I'm done, but yeah. that mean I'm not bitter about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can I can definitely write that. I know, I know. When I got out, I saw all my friends either do COVID missions or riot control training. Mm-hmm. They never had to deal with the riots during uh the 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 floyd riots after he was murdered um but they had to train just in case you know things got crazy yeah and and then of uh, course you know there's there's the other parallel which is you know again i mean there's parallel there's lots of parallels obviously in this work if you if you want if we want to dig into it but you look at the fact that yes the Yes, Operation Iraqi, the war centered around Operation Iraqi Freedom technically ended in December of 2011, or at least the, the like last combat troops were pulled out. But then we went back in a couple of years later when ISIS started fooling around. So, you know, and we're still there. So that's kind of the thing with Titan, because the thing about Titan that's, that's crucial to know from like from for your from for you and also for the for our listeners who are interested in the lore is that at the, at, in 2389 when the frontier wars storyline starts like the main storyline that i've that i fiddled with for almost 20 years now that those yeah. was the seed of all of this um titan is jointly controlled it's basically partitioned it's like half controlled by the alliance and half controlled by the ica there's like zones of control it's basically like who controlled what at the end of the first frontier war or first frontier wars they basically are left those zones of control. It's in east second. and west Germany. Exactly. It's east and west Germany. It's you know east and west Pakistan. If you want to go further back, or maybe maybe not further back, but a little bit further around, around back to like back when you know Bangladesh was still considered part of Pakistan. It's north Northern Ireland. It's all of that. Yeah. Um. No, I I like the idea of 
there's a break in the war, there's a break in the conflict, and then Tommy sees the war that he's spent so much time trying to get over uh, activating again, getting back again. <laughs> I, I, I love the idea of it opens with he's watching a program, a broadcast, maybe with a couple of other veterans, and they're all kind of turned around facing a TV, facing a wall with a TV on it. And they're talking to each other. And then my character turns around and kind of addresses the audience. It's like, do you fucking see this? Like we spent all this time there and then, you know, they pulled us out and then the whole fucking place fell apart. Surprise, surprise. And now it's all back to shit again. Yeah. And that could easily be, you know, I, like I never served in Afghanistan, Yep. but that was a bad week. And you can imagine what it'd be like for the guys who are actually there. I've spoken to some, I don't want to speak for people, but I know some people that told me they put that behind them a long time ago. Um, some of them haven't. Um, I know it is kind of cool though, that we have uh, refugees from the airlift um, living here in Indianapolis. Yeah. And because, you know, you, you kind of, you see him walking around. I'm not going to, you know, say where they live, but you see him walking around a bunch. Yeah. And so it's, the play starts with those guys addressing a TV and then turns around and he dresses a crowd. And that'll be a lot of where you come in where like with the specifics and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, not as he just kind of talk about titan and then i wonder if then then he kind of goes into where he was born yeah and it's i mean because that's the thing it's it could be very it could very easily become like a sort of a winding stream of consciousness type thing like he's like just sort of vent, he's, he starts venting and then as, as he's venting he starts like talking about like he's, he's almost like basically doing his own self-therapy in a lobby of the oh VA. yeah and oh, then, yeah. then the doctors call him back for his like actual therapy, which is basically just like taking his temperature or something. And it's like, exactly. which, or, which we don't have to show obviously, but it's implied or it's like, Oh, he's just there for like a regular checkup, but he's basically doing his own self therapy in the lobby because he's just, you know, old and burnout and, and, and grizzled and you know, whatever. And oh, so I know all about doing self therapy. I, I, I can, I can yeah. definitely write from that perspective. <laughs> Um, like, you know, we, we we were I was, I was on Titan for I was on Titan for almost four years and then we didn't and we might as well we might as well have never been there you know yeah. and uh, you know just talk about this and that and the other thing and then start talking about you know when I was I I, I left Mars because growing up on Mars there was only two ways that there were only two ways out of the slums and that was either to you know just to, to suffer to, to choke to choke your lungs out in a factory or join the space corps and go fight on some faraway rock. Yeah. That's pretty much you know, where we could go from there. Yeah. So he has three deployments. And we see his third deployment in um in the Erebus effect. Now what do you think haunts Tommy Sampson? Because yes, this is an old character of mine, but we're kind of brushing him off and then kind of adapting him. Yeah, yeah, we're kind of dropping him into a new. Yeah, planet. yeah. Um, I think. 
Well, this is something where a lot of collaboration is going to come in because, you know, there's stuff that we could probably adapt from your stories to the realm of spacers of the spacer saga. But there's also stuff that obviously is unique to the Titan experience and but also to the to, to his experience. Because I'm assuming we want him to be like NCO medic, um, especially in his later deployments. Um, there is a group that's cannibals, right? You remember we had to talk about cannibals a few weeks back? Yeah. Well, here, I, here's an idea. Would uh, he interact with those at all? Here's something that, that just popped into my head, and we can, we can work up the, we can work up this now. There's a there's a there's a and, I don't, and this is going to be kind of a roundabout explanation, so you just have to bear with me. There's this thing that goes on every September. This art competition called not not really a competition. It's like it's like a, it's like a personal challenge. It's called Spaceship Timber, and it's kind of like you know like. And it's, it's one of those art, one of those self competitions for art, where it's like do an art piece every day of the month. There's like themes for each day of the month, and the one for I think today was like discovery or something. And someone on Twitter or X or whatever it's calling itself now had posted something where it's like, or no, it was on, it was on the Tough Sci-Fi Discord server had posted something about it was a piece of art they did, and they did a little block of text to go with it, like a little story. And basically, the gist was, oh, search and rescue is not that bad. You know, everyone goes in expecting to find ghosts. And, you know, sometimes you you do find some in the form of like ships wanting you to leave because like the electronics are bad or something. But what's really, what's really creepy is when you find things that are most definitely not ghosts. You know, when you like, I can't remember the exact wording, but it's like fucking brilliant. It's a fucking brilliantly haunting. It's just like when you, when you, when you, when you find someone who's been surviving on sea rations for eight months and you look in their eyes, that will haunt you. Yeah. So it's like, like refuge, like like Titan, like refugees are like bombed out settlements who like been living on survival, like been who who've been living on survival rations for months at a time. Like the Spacer Corps moves in, to like try and rescue them because the Draconists, you know, the Draconists are, are like crazy people. You know, they don't yeah. care. They'll basically they basically say, hey, if you don't, if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna, you know, fly our flag, then fuck you. You, you can starve to death. Yeah. Or you can or you can go without air. So. um yeah, yeah. So maybe that's what haunts him. I like that. He it, it, kind of like stumbling on Auschwitz. Yeah, yeah, like the, yeah. It's like, like, those... it's like like the people who liberated the concentration camps, or like uh, on a small, much smaller scale. Have you ever seen that Full Metal Jacket? Yeah, you remember the scene where they find the uh, like the, the big pit with all the dead like Vietnamese nationals that are that have been executed by the Viet Cong or NVA or whatever. No. I just yeah, remember the the basic training stuff. Oh yeah, of course that's what everybody remembers. Yeah. But there's a scene there's a scene when they're going into Hue City where there's like this big long trench that's been dug by the North Vietnamese that have like invaded the South during the Tet Offensive, and um, there's like maybe two dozen bodies that have been of people who've been like executed have like been identified as intellectuals and um, yeah people politicians. Well, no, that's the Khmer Rouge. Maybe not intellectual. Intellectuals might not be the right word for it, but like, like political, but political opponents yeah. of of the North. Yeah. People, people who the North has identified as like friends of the South Vietnamese regime, and it um they've been like, they've been executed and dumped in this pit and covered with lime, and it could be something. It could be stuff like that. Like yeah, the, basically the Reconis, like the reason why the Reconis earned their nickname which is you know again i think i think i told you the other day it's it's partially because it's a it's a it's a reference to the acronym of their of their of their, their uh 
their official title in Portuguese. Um, yeah. But it's also based on the fact that they use draconian methods, which is, you know, again, it's like, uh, again, another classic, another very famous Vietnam War movie, uh, Apocalypse Now. You know, you have, uh, Colonel Kurtz is talking about how you know, you, 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 you try and win, win over hearts and minds by going into a village and inoculating all the children. And then you come back later and you find all the arms of these inoculated children have been hacked off and piled in the corner and piled in the town square. And it's like, you look at that and you realize the horror has a name and it's like, yeah, that's, that's basically what we're dealing with. Here. That's, kind of, that's the kind of thing Tommy might deal with. I like that. I like the Auschwitz thing. They find refugees that have just been nearly starved out. Um, I like the idea of I wrote something in veterans of the Belron war where mm -hmm. there was this, I think I talked, we talked about this during the cannibal episode where there was the way of eating religion yeah. and the way of eating religion. They would try to corrupt people. They can corrupt earth soldiers on the, the human basis. Mm -hmm. And then if they did that, they could, they could flip people and if they did enough, they'd flip whole bases and turn people into cannibals and stuff. And something about the deeply devouted religion, along with the horror of cannibalism, fascinates and terrifies me at the same time. And I'm just like obsessed with it. Um, but there, there was a piece where I wrote where a guy was a medic, not Tommy Sampson, but one mm -hmm. of his contemporaries and stumbled across a suicide ring where six guys all killed themselves and then he he held on to it to this day so maybe i could work something like that in there yeah i mean there's stuff that, we want examples of stuff like this obviously you know you've probably got plenty just from your time in iraq just from that deployment in iraq but you know my stepdad has been a police officer for 35 years you know there's a story of his which there I'm was gonna... no suicide ring in iraq that i found by the yeah, way yeah you know just... i I figured not. Uh, I figured you probably that probably would have come out at some point before now. Yeah, uh, I, like tell me, hey, you should know this about me. So you know that I've got baggage. Well, it's it's more for the listeners because sometimes I'm like I, I tell stories and then I'm like, well, that's not a real story because yeah. people like sometimes I I lived just an interesting enough life where if I think of something weird or funny or fucked up, people might think it might have happened. Yeah. You know, but I was thinking with this one act play, we could because I mean, some simple math like chop it up into either two or four sections, right? Mm -hmm. Where you could have like the first chunk of it be Tommy's time on Mars, I guess, and then uh, at first enlistment, second enlistment, and then he gets out, and then you could uh, Mars. First, second, VA, or uh, he gets out. And, you know, the first enlistment, he could be like, ah, I'm, things are great and I love the military because I remember drinking the Kool-Aid. I remember it was, I mean, also too, it was the first place I was ever successful in my entire life. Now, granted, I was 19 and how many people are really that successful at age 19? So that's a fun pressure I was putting on myself. But, well, here I have something to offer you there. Actually, hit me. Because, um, well, first of all, um, I mean, I I understand you want to write the screenplay, which is totally fine. I may I may be willing 
uh, I say that and it sounds totally pretentious. I would be willing to help you, um, like, uh, not what is it? Uh, like, uh, what's the word? Outline it. Outline the screenplay, because there's, some, there's because there's because there's some ideas that we might be able to work in to help structure it that would be able to give you those beats that you can then write in yourself when you when you're when you're, when you're outlining when you're not outlining it but but drafting it. Um, but one of those is outline that, it. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, because because one of those, for example, is. If Tommy is how how old is how old would Tommy be in his third deployment? How 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 old do you figure? Let's say thirty five. So it could be about thirty five. If he's thirty five in his third deployment to Titan, uh-huh. he probably would have enlisted still when he was about twenty or twenty one. Because um, so if Tommy enlisted around nineteen, he would have or twenty, he would have been in, inducted in about twenty or twenty one. So he's probably been in for about 14 or so years, which means that he would have enlisted around the time that the Draconis crisis was starting off. So the time he enlisted, let's, let's say he enlisted in 2324, 2325, right around the time the Draconis took over Callisto and the whole crisis started started brewing. It wasn't fully brewed yet, but it was starting to, it was starting to bubble a little bit because um, the Draconis crisis, which is what catalyzes the, the, the titan war and other, among other things didn't really get started until 2331 which is when the draconist carried out this big terrorist attack uh, at the at the El, Ed, edwin aldrin memorial spaceport on mars which killed like a couple thousand people which is basically their their equivalent of 9-11 um, and that's what drew the space corps into this massive you know involvement in the outer solar system but before that for about six years it was just a blockade. It was a blockade like peacekeeping efforts. So when Tommy enlisted, he would have thought, oh, well, the Space Force is a peacekeeping force. I can go I can go explore the solar system and maybe do some like, you know, crowd control and like, you know, he handing out leaflets and handing out like bags of rice and that'll be it. So what I what I would like, just just for my own, just mm-hmm. just to keep it easy for me. Um and again, I'm not you can this is the difference between us as writers. Most of my stuff is just basically me, but in space. Yeah. So, and if I'm going to perform it, I'm going to tailor it to my own story mm-hmm. as much as totally. I can, just so I can kind of get the emotion out. So I would rather have the Draconis crisis be a few years into it. And it was kind of, cause like, I know for me, it was a thing that was, it was, it was hanging. I'm eight years older than you. Is that right? Mm-hmm. It when well, I was about, yeah. You're like, I think. Cause I graduated in 2005 from high school. You're, you're about seven years older than me. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I graduated, it was, yeah. When I graduated high school, um, the Iraq and Afghanistan wars were hanging over our heads and where I came from, a lot of people enlisted to get out, to go to a lot of people into college, but the people I was hanging out with weren't going to college. Mm-hmm. They just weren't, <laughs> you know, college was an option. Maybe um, if you had your shit together, I didn't. Uh, and I would love it if this war was hanging over Tommy's head. Right. Or it was a thing like he knew where he was going. 
Would you be opposed to him being younger than 35, 23, 39? Not at all. Because if he was about 30 or maybe about my age, which is still, again, when you, when you consider that most of the like junior enlisted spacers that he would be talking to would be like, you know, 20 or 21 at most, a 29-year-old is like an old man, especially if he's been in through three deployments. I had a conversation like that in a writing online workshop class where mm -hmm. I'm talking to this 70-year-old retired Navy master sergeant, right? And I'm telling, I was telling this, I wrote this thing about how I was, you know, I was an NCO and I was, we we're sleeping in the back of a truck. It was me and a bunch of, bunch of junior enlisted guys. We finally got out of the rain. So we're, we're bunking down there for the night. And, you know, I was telling him, I was saying about how I felt so much older than them. And he's like, weren't you like the same age? And I was like, I might've been five years older, <laughs> Like, but I, the, your first enlistment and your third enlistment, there's a world of difference. Mm -hmm. You're not much older than the other people. Like, like my mentor NCO, the guy who was like a second father to me, his name was Tony. And when I was 1920, he might've been 30, 32. You know, he's only 10 years older than me, but he was such a fucking giant in, in my memories. And, 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 you know, and so, yeah, he was a staff sergeant back then, too. Yeah. So Tommy Sampson being 2930 on his third deployment is possible. And especially during wartime, you rank up really fast. Yeah. Like I knew a guy who went to Iraq, a corporal and left Iraq, a staff sergeant. All in the same 12-month period. Now, that guy uh, was the supply sergeant, and he did an awesome job with the commander's property book to the point where she was not financially responsible for anything because shit just kept falling off of trucks, kids. <laughs> yep. but, if, you, if you get the chance, look at the thing I just shared in the Facebook chat. That is a picture of a Russian soldier in 1941 – and in 1945, after he served for four years in World War II. Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. That's, so um, that just goes to that, – that's, like, that's a classic example of how even though he's only four years older and he's probably only like 24, 25 when that, that second picture was taken, he looks like an old man. He so looks 40. For, for the, near the end of his third deployment on Titan, Tommy, even if he's only like 29 – would be like an old man. So seven years, eight years later in like 2347, he would yeah. be a crusty old burnout veteran. Yeah. Because then he would be about then he would be about your age. No yeah. offense. No offense meant, but that's that's what he would be. If he if he if he was like 28 or 29 and 2339, he'd be about your age in 20 when, when the second Titan were started. I mean, yeah, that works great because I'm my age now. I know. And I'm also a crusty burnt out veteran in my mid thirties. <laughs> like, because basically what you could have is let's say Tommy Sampson is 28 in 2339. Yeah. That means that in 2347, he would be 36. Mm -hmm. That would mean that he was born in 2311. Okay. Okay. Which means that he would have turned twenty in twenty three thirty one when the 
attack on Edwin Aldrin Air, uh, Spaceport happened, which would have been a perfect incentive for him to join the war. Yep. The war would have still been brewing for a few years before that, though, even though it wouldn't have technically been because, again, it's kind of like how, you know, again, you have 9-11 in September. You have the 9-11 attacks in September of 2001, and then Operation Enduring Freedom begins, like, like October of, of 2001 for the very next month or something, or, like, brigands with really within weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so the there's, there's, like, official operation names that were launched, like, operations that were launched to go fight the Draconis, like, after the Edward Alden spaceport attacks. But again, the war was basically going before that. If anything, the reason the Draconis attacked in 2331 is because they were pissed off that. Um, in fact, this is this is this is something totally out of left. This is something totally out of out of, of out in the weeds that we don't need to worry about for this project. But there's like we could even we could even work into the lore that there's rumors that it was actually a different group that that carried out the attacks because they wanted the. Or maybe even like a false flag attack, trying to get the ICA to get involved on Callisto and Ganymede and Titan and elsewhere because the Draconis were getting out of hand, and so far the ICA was trying to rely on diplomacy and peacekeeping forces instead of actual military endeavors. Like a Gulf of Tonkin sort of thing. Yes, exactly. It's basically the Gulf of Tonkin, or fuck, you know, you know what? Look what the Germans did in the start of World War II. Have you ever heard that story? We just we just had the we just had the uh, we just had the um, anniversary of the start of World War II like three days ago. Um, basically, what the Germans did on September first, nineteen thirty nine, they they had SS soldiers dressed up in Polish uniforms attack a German listening post or like radio station just inside the German side of the border, and they then executed some drugged prisoners and dressed them up in German uniforms and left them there and said, Oh, look, the Poles have been attacking us. Ah, we're going to war. Yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. And I think basically what that was, I think with this, I say one act play, but it's going to be basically four different sections to it. And four major beats. Yeah, four major beats to it. Beat one, uh, Mars. Well, you're gonna have an intro. He's gonna be talking to the TV. Beat one is Mars. Beat two is deployment one. Beat three or beat three is deployment. We'll call it deployment three, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. And he could talk about the Flappy Bird, the the Flappy. We call them the Flappers, and the Flappers kept dropping bombs and yeah. shit like that. Like we got in the in the thing. And beat four can be kind of a spin on his life in Veterans of the Baron War, where he's just like a dude who uh, uh, he, he's got a ship. He flies around. Uh, he's in love with his holographic assistant, you know, because AI is pretty big in this. Yeah. And um. Dude, that reminds me of something. Again, this is a total digression. Because I, I don't, I don't have a whole lot more time. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, digressions are good for podcasts normally. Also, uh, I think I picked up a, a bug from a 19 year old, so <laughs> my throat's hurting a little bit. I'm sorry. Because um, I want to get this out. Uh, anyway, so beat one Mars. Beat two deployment one. Beat three deployment th- three. Beat four is post military. 
He's flying around in his ship. He's doing odd jobs. He's like a medic for hire in different ports and different things. Mm-hmm. And uh, his, um, you know, like home VA is probably, probably, probably where his like family is on Mars, I would yeah. guess. And, you know, he's got a relationship with his, his folks, but it's kind of estranged. Yeah. But also, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, that doesn't sound familiar at all. Doesn't sound familiar at all. Um, and yeah, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, um, there was an idea I had at one point that I've still bounced around a little bit. I'm probably not never going to do anything with unless I do use it for a different story about having someone like Darius and one mm-hmm. of like one of the like Darius stories have a VA virtual assistant that's basically like a talking dog hologram. Like follows him around. It's like, hey, you doing okay today, buddy? I know you've been feeling kind of down. Is everything going all right? And then like helps him out with other stuff. It's kind of like it's kind of like zero in the in the Airbus effect. Except in the Europa goodbye, it would be this like hologram of like a like a like a border collie that like kind of follows him around because it's like projected out of this like implant in his brain that it's like only he can see it. So it's kind of like it's kind of like a like a consent, it's kind of like a, a consensual hallucination, and he's like, and, and basically it's like, hey, you you're taking your meds, you, you're not drinking too, you're not drinking too much, you're you're taking care of yourself, right, buddy? So you're saying we'd write a in the rewrite there, we would add that additional character there. I might do that. Now I'm now I'm starting to like it. Now that I've talked, now that I've spoken it to life, I'm starting to like it. Or maybe he like gets it added for set for like the second book or something. Because remember. Just like I'm trying to turn Janet's story into a trilogy, or we're trying to turn Janet's story into a trilogy. I'm trying trying to turn Darius's story into a trilogy. Um, yes to all the above. Uh, my only request is that mm-hmm. the dogs, the dog serves a, a vital function in the narrative. Yeah, the dog, the, the dog performs a function that only the dog can perform, and without the dog the narrative falls apart i.e he is so important to the narrative the way it's constructed that if you pulled him out of it the story falls apart it would be like pulling out the assassin in Aramis. if you pull out the assassin the story falls apart right? maybe instead of a holographic dog that can't actually interact with other characters it's like a an actual service dog that has like an implant in its brain that allows it to like rudimentarily, rudimentarily speak yeah. Like okay. You do mm. you do you you okay? I, I like the hologram angle. You do? I do. I like the hologram angle. Um I almost I know we're, wanna... I know we're totally off the subject of your play. I'm no, sorry. you're fine. You're fine. I think we've kind of hashed out the main beats of mm-hmm. uh Spacers, the Ballad of Tommy Sampson. And uh I would love it if you gave me an outline to work through. Because you start working on that tonight. You're better at outlining shit than I am. I just kind of like start writing and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And which is fun, but also it ends with me having to redo more stuff than I probably need to. But if you hand me an outline with some stuff, I can spin it into some gold. Yep. Cool. Um I don't have a whole lot more time, but I want to run this by you too. I think I'm gonna record. Uh, assuming my my voice holds, I'm going to record the first chapter of Erebus. Mm. And cool. 
what are your thoughts of me doing it on my own? Doing what now? Recording it on my own. Oh, sure. As like the, the only narrator. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. You got a good enough voice. Yeah. I, yeah. And it's well, as long as, like you said, as long as your voice holds. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, as long as I, I think I'll be fine, but I also might be sick tomorrow. So, um, and I say that because uh, it's simpler if I do it on my own. It's a lot mm-hmm. less editing work on yeah. my part if I do it on my own. And a lot less cats to herd. It's a lot less cats to herd. It's it's I'd love to I'd love to get a whole big dynamic group together, but also I'm like, you know, it's a it's gonna be about a 20 minute project. And I mean, maybe, maybe we'll I'll herd all all of you cats together and we'll do it in a big uh, thing. Um, Just keep me posted, buddy. Yeah, but you'd be okay if I did it oh, yeah. solo. Yeah, and, sure. Okay. I mean, we we had spacers recorded solo, so yeah, that turned out just fine. I love the idea of doing full, you know, cast productions on things. But also, I'm trying to remind myself that, hey, you have exactly this much bandwidth to do a thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you keep things that you try to do as simple as possible, the simplest versions probably will be better. It's kind of like you had talked about. We talked about doing this play and you said, oh, we got to get you some futuristic clothes. And I was like, I don't think so, because I think futuristic clothes I I just I I in my head like just normal street clothes mm-hmm. it's going to be more realistic. People might buy that more. Yeah. Uh because in my head I'm like, "Oh, well, what is it going to be like paper mache or, you know, like like I like it's I'm not going to name names, but we saw a play recently and it wasn't what you call good. <laughs> and they had like a lot of props and the props weren't what you call convincing. And granted, I'm a huge snob. I'll I'll start there. But um, yeah, no, and and I think at high, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say one thing. I'm, I'll, the only thing I'll say about that play is that? that night after we saw that play, I had a dream that I'd that I went and saw that play again with my with my creative writing friends, many of whom are like Broadway addicts mm-hmm. and. The one of them in particular who I've talked about in the past, the one who lives in New York now, like goes to Broadway every week, was like, oh, no, this is an underappreciated play. It was brilliant. And I was like, I woke up and I was like, what the fuck is going on in my head? I'll say this. Uh, the play was a retelling of the Mount Vesuvius eruption and the destruction of Pompeii. And that was the first retelling of that story that made a case for the volcano, right? It made a case for the side of the fire. As I'm watching this, I'm thinking, when will the fire take me? I hope it takes me soon. Um, And with that note, I think we'll end there and we'll chat a little bit after for the Blanket Fortress of Solitude. I am Derwin. And I am Nick. And we will see you next Monday morning at 0700. Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Read? What's happening? Am I dead? I bet you like zombie books. I like food. Do you have food? You don't need food at dividedbyzerobooks.com.
It's full of nutrient-rich science fiction. Ugh, I'm stuck in an ad, aren't I? Once I stop talking, reality will collapse until someone plays this ad again. This isn't the first time we've had this discussion, and it won't be the last. Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Did, did, you, did you say you like bar bar barbecue or not? Um, I like the taste of barbecue. It doesn't always agree with me. Uh, it doesn't always like me as much as I like it. As she navigates a pandemic, late stage capitalism, while pretending everything is totally fine, Sloane lives alone with her dog, Moose. Struggling with this juggling act, Sloane breaks down one night and wishes magic were real. The next thing she knows, she's having a conversation with her dog and levitating a spoon in her kitchen. Subscribe now to Versatile Ambitions on Substack and read the first chapter of Once a Millennium today. It was exactly one month after I got to Iraq. Passed the PT test today. Um, not by a whole lot. Always a proud moment with every milestone I have. The things I've seen, the hijinks that ensue.